What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. Is the season a failure if BYU football doesn't get to a bowl game? Is it truly bowl game or bust? On the next episode, should BYU play Utah every year on Thanksgiving weekend? Plus, we'll talk about gravy and football, but mostly gravy. Mm, gravy. Listen on demand, Google Bleed, BYU Sports Station podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN, always here on BYU Radio, but gravy. Next on BYUSN, bowl game or bust, it's very much on the line for BYU football this weekend against Oklahoma State. Would the season be a failure if the Cougars don't get bowl eligible? Plus, if both quarterbacks are healthy, which gives BYU a better chance at beating the Cowboys, Jake Retzloff or Keaton Slovis? Center Connor Pay joins the program, why the Cougar run game works so well versus Oklahoma and how the Cougars beat OK State Saturday. Nobody's shooting the ball better than freshman Kaylee Woolston for the undefeated Cougar women's hoops team. How the Cougars got off to a hot start this season. And Top 5 Tuesday features the top turkey weekend wins in BYU football. Oh yeah. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 21st. Happy Thanksgiving week. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who is almost as mortified by the University of Utah basketball program as the Presidente of Barstool, Dave Portnoy. Jerem Jordan is his name. Dave Portnoy tweeted uh, the other day, Utah's the worst college basketball team ever. <laughs> they do nothing well. Their big man's horrible. They're slow. Can't play defense, can't shoot. I hate them. I'm assuming that, <laughs> I'm assuming that Dave bet on Utah and lost against St. John's specifically. It's why you Sunday. don't bet. But, um, uh, you bet if what, you want. Whatever. It's, it's legal in many states. Uh, not this state. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> That was pretty funny and uh, was greatly appreciated by many Cougar fans. A lot of BYU fans are like, hey, I agree. Big, big game between BYU and Utah, not only in men's basketball, but women's basketball in December. Hey, Two look, huge games. I love that the rivalry is happening not only this year as Pac-12 versus Big 12 for the final time ever, but that it's going to be in the foreseeable future a conference game for all sports. That is very exciting to me. Let's go. Yeah. No, and probably twice. I want that so. soccer match. I want those volleyball matches. I want the basketball matches and certainly the football we, game. We've had them. We're just going to have them in conference. Yeah. Let's go in a Power 5 conference for the first well, time. Well, I guess ever. basketball did try to avoid. Football tried to avoid. <laughs> Not BYU's end. Salt Lake said. There's no avoiding the following. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Cougar football have lost four straight and are sitting at five and that. six. One final chance to get win number six and to get bowl eligible. All they have to do is go on the road, Jerem, and beat a ranked Oklahoma State team in Stillwater against a Cowboys squad that's merely playing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. So they don't have much to play for, no, right? No. The Cougars have not been great on the road outside of that road opener at Arkansas. It has been tough sledding for the Cougars in Big 12 play away well, from Provo. In Utah. Yeesh, you're right. It's getting cold. Yesterday, we asked ESPN's Trevor Maddich, if BYU does not beat Oklahoma State and therefore does not make a bowl game, 
Would it be considered a failure? This was his response. I would say uh, it's not a failure. It's, it's disappointing because I think BYU fans and the players and coaches themselves expected to get the six wins. And if they don't get the six win, it will be disappointing. But it's not a failure. Jeremy, I'm going to ask you the same question after listening to Trevor Maddich again. If BYU does not get to a bowl game and get six wins in year one as a Power 5 football program, is this season a failure? It's an interesting question because my initial response is absolutely. Like, making a bowl game is always going to be the program standard. This isn't some low-level G5 program that is just hoping for a bowl game and supplement its, uh, you know, uh, athletic uh, scholarship numbers and blah, blah, blah with money. No, no, no. This is BYU. Like, BYU's won a natty. They've won a Heisman. They have high standards. Um, so, probably, yeah. But I do want to look at a couple of things with the schedule that sort of frame how this season is a little bit more. So, obviously, winning half your games doesn't feel like that hard. But it's it's hard when you're in a Power 5 league, as, as we've talked about. You already had it Saturday, by the way. I'm, I'm still not over Saturday. I don't okay. think people Co- will be for a long time. A couple of things. Let's talk over this graphic here. So BYU's 5-6, and four-game losing streak, uh, one of the longer losing streaks in college football. The record of the opponent in wins wasn't good. BYU beat the teams it should on the schedule. The record of the opponent in losses, pretty stinking good, 67%. Sagarin tells us BYU seventh t- has the seventh toughest schedule in college football. Third in the Big 12, by the way, Texas 2, Kansas 4. Yep. Um, Wins versus teams with winning records, Texas Tech. If Texas Tech doesn't win this week, uh, BYU didn't get a win against a team with a winning record. So that's hard. And this pointed out by Cougar Stats this morning. BYU played eight of the top nine teams in the standings. Yes, that's what we were talking about yesterday. Cincinnati. I presented to you. I'm like, why couldn't BYU have Houston or Baylor or somebody like that instead of Iowa State or at West Virginia? So if you took out the BYU games against those opponents, like, oh, okay, well, BYU, like, helped the winning record of those teams that won, did they not? It's still 63%. And the losers, the, uh, the teams that BYU beat, it's still 42%. So the, the front half was way easier than the last five, right? So with that in mind, failure feels like a strong word for this, given how hard this schedule was. Like, Put the 20 and 21 teams against this schedule, and I'm not sure if they're more than two games better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like seven-ish, maybe eight. Win- like put the 1984 national championship team against this schedule, and they're losing three, four games. It, it, this is a hard one. The, the week-to-week grind has been hard. We wanted this. We welcomed this. We got punched in the mouth. We're taking it like a champ. It's all good. BYU doesn't win Saturday. You regroup, and you grow from there. Again, two of the first three years in the Pac-12, Utah was five and seven. Like, it's not like it, they were immediately successful. Like, it took them 11 years to win the league. Is BYU on a, a similar track? Perhaps. I would love to get to the point where BYU is top 25 perennially and, and uh, you know, competitive and competing for conference championships. It takes a sec. Like, failure feels like too strong of a word. But obviously, making a bowl game is always the standard. But this schedule, this schedule's pretty oh, stinking it's, tough. It is brutal. And again, when I first heard Aaron Roderick say, this is the toughest schedule in BYU football history, I was like, come on. Look at 2004, which was ridiculous. It was 11th in the Sagarin ratings. And then you look at 1991, and Ty yep. Detmer had to play <laughs> to open the season 
number one Florida State and then ranked Penn State on the road and ranked UCLA and had to play number seven Iowa late and had to play ranked San Diego State and Marshall Falk. But even those schedules were not rated, at least in the Sagarin marks, as tough or as highly as the schedule is this year. The schedule is tougher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. We didn't think it was going to be this tough. No, we knew it was going to be difficult. If, if we knew it was this tough, I would have said 5-7. and seven. Jerem, especially. <laughs> I would have said 4-8. and eight. After Iowa State lost at home to Miami, and then Oklahoma State lost at home. Of Ohio. To South Alabama, 33-7. to seven. We're, we're sitting back. BYU's 4-1, and one, and we're like, oh, yeah. BYU's bowl going game's to, locked BYU's in. BYU's going to a bowl game. Like, they're going to get to a bowl game. Awesome. Check. Little did we know how tough. This would become, All of nah. a sudden, Oklahoma State and Iowa State become two of the better teams in the conference. They figure it out, and it all changes yeah, so fast. And Iowa State's fallen off quite a bit. But um, 04 and 91, the highs were higher. Like, you played more good teams, like high-end teams. It's the week-to-week grind. Yes. That Ten power fives. Predictably hard. Ten power fives. So, I can't sit here and say that if BYU doesn't beat Oklahoma State and doesn't get six wins and earn the right to play in a bowl game, that, yes, you know what, it's, they did it. It's okay. Like, in that singular item, you either did or you didn't. So I don't know how it's, – it's a pass or fail scenario. Like, in that singular item, just because you say if you didn't get to a bowl game – doesn't mean like there's nothing good that happened in the season, but you failed in that line sure. and that item, right? Yeah. BYU, I'm going to make a parallel. I'm going to draw a parallel here, a comparison. Let's say you're on a golf course and you've got a, you've got a four-footer for par. BYU's five and two. They got a four-footer for par. Okay. All right. Okay. So feeling good, like, yeah, I can, I'm going to step up. I'm going to make this par putt. But then you read the green and like you see what's ahead of you and you're like, Oh, man, that's a pretty significant slope I'm actually on. I know this is a short putt, but this is actually a difficult four-footer. If BYU does not beat Oklahoma State on Saturday, then this is the putt that lips out on the edge and doesn't go in. You tap in for both. And, and trickles down right? the hill. Right, And then you probably three-putt like, from there. Am I going to make a bogey now? Like, I got I to yeah. make this now, yeah. or the slope is so significant that, sure. that we're done. We're staring at a double bogey. This is the scenario that BYU has worked themselves into, unfortunately, by not beating Oklahoma, where they could have, you know, drained the putt confidently and not had to worry about the final week. Okay, all right, on to the next. That is not the case. What was the four-footer for BYU, if you will? Because, you know what I mean? At I'm TCU. Just, I'm just saying when you're 5-2, and two, yeah, you maybe. Feel at, like, you feel like you're going to do it. But maybe then, you've drained a couple of eight-footers and you're like, oh, I can do this. But they were flat. Yeah. This is a four-footer on the side of a hill on a crazy green, and it's just yeah. it's more difficult analogy. than it looks. There's right? not been a four-footer left, though, for BYU. Like, I'm talking about the remainders. Like, that's, know, how, that's how people felt. Yes. At four and one and five and two, we were like, At oh, we're time. good. We're good. Yeah. It's now become a little bit dire. If BYU doesn't beat Oklahoma State – then yes, it's pass or fail. They have failed in one of their goals, one of their immediate goals. Every coach, every player, that is the first every goal staffer of has season. said, win six games, get to a bowl game. So if they don't, how can we say, yeah, it's not a fail? Like, yeah, you failed in that regard, but it doesn't mean the whole season is a wash. If BYU in the next two years can get to eight games and they build off this and they learn certain lessons that they needed to learn because of this, and, you, you, like, ultimately there will be personnel changes based on how certain things did not go 
Um, that's how college football is. Then maybe it was worth it. Like I've said, it was worth it to go 4-9 in 2017 because then you got Zach Wilson in 2018. Like sometimes the forest burns down, but it grows back way more beautiful well, what, and lush. What, what's like, the turnaround after hope, this season if BYU doesn't get to a bowl that game. is the case here. All right. Like we didn't like 4-9. But it was worth it for 2020, 21, 22. It was worth it. BYU's staring at a reality of losing five straight games to end the season for the first time since the mid-1950s. Mm. Our question of the day, how differently will you feel about the season if BYU makes a bowl game or does not? Hiram Flake on Instagram like answers. a super BYU name right there. It'll validate that BYU was the best of the four new schools in the Big 12 if they win. A winning season in the first year of Power 5 is nothing to look down on. Certainly. Right. It just so happens that BYU has to face a ranked opponent on the road who is 8-3 and three and playing for a spot in the Big 12 title game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah BYU still might be the best team among the newbies without it. Like, UCF 5-6. and UCF six. has the best win, I would argue, yeah. of anybody of the newcomers yeah, in the yeah, Big 12, for sure, for crushing sure. Oklahoma State. For sure. Houston 4-7, and seven, Cincinnati 3-8. Yeah, it would have been nice to play ba Baylor, Houston. Please. Or UCF. Or even UCF. Come on. Did not get them. Ugh. Topic two. Yesterday we asked Trevor about uh, which quarterback he thought would give BYU the best chance to beat Oklahoma State. I still think Keaton Slovis is the best option, if healthy. And it's nothing against Jake. He has a bright future. If it weren't for his performance, BYU would not have been close enough to have might have won that game against Oklahoma. So I don't, I don't take anything away from him. I don't point the finger at Jake Retzloff. Even though he made some mistakes in terms of turnovers, he did a phenomenal job that kept them close enough that those mistakes actually mattered instead of just piling on to other things. But Keaton Slovis has a better feel for the offense. He has a better feel for big road games and how to deal with adversity and how to distribute the ball and get the rest of the playmakers engaged Okay, certainly when it comes to experience, there's no question. When it comes to athleticism in the run game, but the volatility of takeaways yeah. or giveaways, Jake Retzloff, right, brings a different dynamic in both regards. So what's your opinion on this question of who gives BYU a better chance to beat Oklahoma State? This is tough because as we look at what's happening on this graphic, you see Jake Retzloff's numbers and his ability to push the ball down the field are not nearly where Keaton Slovis has it. But Keaton Slovis faced the easier part of the schedule no and yeah. Retzloff has opened up against West Virginia on the road, Iowa state at home and Oklahoma at home. So those statistics are definitely weighted to a degree. I don't believe that Keaton Slovis is a hundred percent. I, I, I don't see how all of a sudden his shoulder and his elbow are, are just magically a hundred percent and he's ready to go. And we learn, and I say that because we learned that Aaron Roderick is not going to put him out there unless he is a hundred percent cleared and ready to go. I don't, or I don't good think enough, he is. right? Right. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he is. No, no one's going to be a hundy, but at this point, if but, I uh, believed that he was sure throw Keaton Slovis out there, try and push the ball down the field and maybe in three drives, it goes terribly wrong for BYU's offense. And at that point, you're like, like okay, it's not working. We're going to run Jake out there. I think the opposite is going to happen in this game. I think they're going to start Jake Retzloff, and I think they should. Because remind me, what has BYU's rush offense done the past two weeks with Jake Retzloff at quarterback? Good stuff. They had their two best rushing performances of the season. Yeah. 
But the volatility of the sure. turnovers is a big deal. I get it, but let, in the offense. The offense is notably more dynamic in the run game because you have to respect Jake Retzloff's running ability. No one's questioning that. Okay? So it opens up the run game. It'll be way better in the run game if Jake Retzloff is the quarterback. The risky run is what you bring up. Is he going to turn the ball over? Because he's turned is the ball over five it? times in the last two games. Is that worth it? If he can, can take better care of the ball and there's better ball control, then the run game is better. Then, all right, now BYU's got a shot. But I think what's going to happen is they're going to run Jake Retzloff out there and have Keaton Slovis very close by. If, if, he, if Jake Retzloff turns the ball over early, then I could very easily see, all right, Okay, as good as the run game is, we can't keep turning the ball over. We're going to run Keaton Slovis out there and, and see what happens because statistically, he just doesn't give it away nearly as much. Not saying Keaton is perfect that way because, I mean, there have been some doozies, right? There have been some terminal turnovers that he's been responsible for too. But right now, I would start Jake, hope that he can take better care of the ball, leave that dynamic run game on the field, and I believe BYU has a chance if, and I know it's a huge if, he doesn't turn the ball over because Aiden Robbins is going. That offensive line has finally found a rhythm. I mean, do, do you disagree? Like, I don't where, care who it is. Stand? Just score touchdowns. Like, I, I, if it's Jake, take care of the ball. Who gives him if, the best if, chance, though, is the question, straight up. Do, you, hopefully, BYU can run without Jake. Like, the, the, Keaton can get the ball out quick. Keaton can avoid interceptions. Like, he does some stuff that's totally plausible. Agreed. You have to have Jake be able to run the ball effectively. I don't know if I agree with that. To run the ball effectively? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you think the – I don't really care. Just score touchdowns. I, Just get to 400 <laughs> yards for once this season. Like, I'm super frustrated that this hasn't Is BYU yet. capable of running the ball effectively with Keaton Slovis as the quarterback? They have shown us that they are but not also really – Able to do that. Keaton can throw it more effectively than Jake. 100%. Like, so you can make up for that, right, um, in theory. I don't know. BYU's 5-6. and six. They got probs. There's no clear-cut answer to this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a question. <laughs> I think we might see both, both quarterbacks on Saturday. Yeah, both have uh, some I hope really we good don't. attributes, which, are, which is exciting. Um, yeah, and Jake, hopefully in a fourth start, can get a win here. Let's go. Our tough Two. schedule. Two for Tuesday with two questions of the day. And the second is, what do you think? Who gives BYU a better chance Twofer. to be Twofer. It needs to be F-E-R. Does it not? Twofer? Like we need to play into that? I, <laughs> no one says two-four. I read how it's written. sub fur santa F-E-R? We made a banner in high school for that. Is it sub fur santa <laughs> sub fur No, santa? but it's way funnier. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> is that seminary? Semantics. If both quarterbacks are healthy, Keaton Slovis or Jake Retzloff yeah. gives BYU the best chance to win. Rick MacArthur on Ryder Burton answers. Slovis, passing game is better. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Right. The downfield game is better, also true, and he's played in big Power 5 games. He certainly has done that. Like, if you tell me this guy's starting. But can BYU go, okay. beat Oklahoma State if they can't run the ball? Do we believe that BYU can run the ball effectively with Keaton Slovis as the quarterback? They have not shown us they can do, do it. Do we think they can do it with When Jake that Westlock? is the case. Yes, because of what's happened the past two games. It's not automatically going to happen, though. Like, <laughs> like, if I tell you BYU's minus two in turnover margin, but they ran for 214. Like, are you taking that? Because that's sort of what you get with that. Hey, well, if they had been minus two and ran for 214, they'd have beaten Oklahoma. <laughs> if they maybe. were not minus we three, that, I think they maybe. would have. Oh, my BYU gosh. The offense didn't do anything later. Right? 
All right. Tough. <laughs> hey, after further review, they're going to review some stuff tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. Boomer Cougar. That's a phrase that no one's ever said out loud until right now. I kind of hate it. I know. I hate it, too. <laughs> Up next. <laughs> That's their thing! Jerem goes one-on-one -on -one with BYU center Connor Pay. I'm he's losing been, this matchup. He's been steady, Eddie. You know what? As crazy as the offensive line challenges have been, he's been the dude that's been steady. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Come through like a freight train. You can see my face paint. Know that I'ma get mine by knowing that the rest came. We ready for them. Let's get it on. We ready for them. Let's get it on. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Now, as promised, it's time for Jerem to go one-on-one -on -one with who I believe is the steady Eddie of the BYU offensive line. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose this matchup if we're actually going one-on-one. -on -one. But I did interview him uh, yesterday. I talked to him about, uh, you know, the BYU offensive line. We're getting it going against Oklahoma. Certainly the, the opportunity against Oklahoma State. And uh, a little bit about Thanksgiving. All right, Connor, how have you internalized the Oklahoma game two days later? Um, you know, the a lot of positives to build on, um, but also just, you know, mistakes that we have to limit, you know, because we, we did a lot of things in that game to put ourselves in a position to win, and just too many mistakes ended up costing us in the end. So – you know, have to focus on, you know, limiting turnovers, obviously. Um, and, but also building upon the positive things we did on offense, because that was, you know, one of the better games of the year, probably the best game of the year where our offense just flowed like I'm used to it flowing, having been here the last few years. And that was, that was more what our offense is supposed to be um, than it has been the entire season. So that's something to build upon. Um, and then just limiting the mistakes. <clears throat> One of those things that went really well, well, there were many of them, was running the ball. Uh, 11 rushes of 10-plus, and BYU goes for 217. Aiden had 182 of those. What was different in this game to be able to be so effective? I know it's like magic, right? I haven't heard from you guys in 14 weeks, and then we run the ball, and they're like, hey, we got to bring an old lineman back on. <laughs> Not but, true. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing <laughs> I'm just teasing, but no, I think, I think honestly, not a lot changed. I think just every guy was doing their job. You know, it takes, it takes 11 guys to execute the plays properly. If one guy doesn't do their job, sometimes it, it, it'll make a play look like it's a total bust when in reality, 10 of the 11 did their job or, or uh, uh, nine of the 11 did their job, but it's just those couple that, uh, you know, can mess up a whole play. And that's kind of been an issue this entire season. And, you know, in this game, you you put on the tape and it was just every guy doing what they were supposed to do, what they were expected to do. Um, and when you string those plays together, then you get a little momentum. You know, the defense starts realizing they have a problem and they start making changes and you counter and that's and it just keeps going well. And that you kind of get into the flow of the game a little better. And kind of that flow state as an offense is something we hadn't been able to get into in, in multiple weeks. Um, and so I think it really just came down to each guy executing his job. 
Connor Pay is on BYU Sports Nation. He's not bitter about not being interviewed the last 14 weeks at all. Um, talking to Aiden Robbins today, he said a lot of mid zone was working. What was it specifically about mid zone that was so effective? Well, I think I think the downhill nature of the play, especially when you have a bigger running back like Aiden, um, where he can get downhill quick. He's got one, maybe two reads to make. He can make a cut and get down the field. And, you know, I think for us, at least this season as an offensive line, we've we've blocked mid zone uh, better than we have wide zone and, and some other plays. And so, you know, we just got in sync with, with Aiden a little bit in the game and and he was he was reading our combos and he was setting up some of our combos and making and making great cuts. And so, you know, I think just that mid zone allowed him to get downhill, which is what he likes to do, allows us to be a little thicker on our combos, which we like to do. And that kind of just, uh, you know, when we when we get in sync with the back, especially when you have the threat of the QB pull or the RPO, there's that's a lot for a defense to deal with. So talk to me more about that with the RPO with Jake Bretzloff. What are the sort of uh, things that sort of change when, as an offensive lineman, you're dealing with a, a Jake Bretzloff who at any moment could – Run, pass, uh, keep, give, throw. Yeah. So ironically for us, nothing changes. You know, for us, from an offensive line perspective, the the run play is called, and that's what we run. And then the quarterback just has a couple options on what he can do with the ball. Um, and so from an offensive line perspective, it's no different than any other one. We're running the run play regardless of whether he throws it or not because we have no idea if he's going to hand it off or if he's going to pull it and run it himself, or if he's going to throw it. And so we have to we have to block the play like the running back's getting the ball every time. And then, you know, if the defense gives him a look where he can pull it and run, he'll do that. If they give him a look where he can throw it, he'll do that. What's that internal clock like of knowing, hey, so if he decides to pass on this, I can't get downfield at a certain point, right, and block like the nuances of, okay, this has got to kind of happen in a certain amount of time? Um. So for us, we just block the run play. We can go downfield because the RPOs are designed to where the ball should be out fast enough to where it doesn't matter where we're at. And so usually I'll know pretty quick what's happened because if they throw it, the D lineman will just turn and run the other way. That's the sign for you. You kind of know like, okay, the ball's over there. And if not, they'll stay engaged with you. And that's, and you know that the, the ball is probably right behind you. So. Okay, Oklahoma State this week. And for a couple of weeks, we've said the same thing, but it still holds true, which is you can get to a bowl game with one more win. Oklahoma State has shown to be vulnerable at times, yet sometimes they look like the best team in this league. How are you feeling about the opportunity Saturday? It's a great opportunity. I mean, it's a chance to extend our season. You know, it's our last chance, you know, to extend our season. And, you know, it's they're, they're a good team. They're a dynamic team, you know, and they're very multiple on defense. And they do a lot of really good things. And, you know, it's going to be an intense game. We're fighting for a chance to play in a bowl game. They're fighting for a chance to be in the running for a spot in the title game if a few other things happen uh, for them. And so they're going to be fired up to play. We're going to be fired up to play. And um, I think if we can build upon what we did in the Oklahoma game as an offense and limit the mistakes, limit the turnovers, then we can put ourselves in a good position to win. How hard can you go on Thanksgiving and still be good to go on Saturday for the game? Pretty hard, just because it's on a Thursday. I have a couple <laughs> days to recover. I'm not going to be stupid, you know. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna overeat 
and and you know feel like crap and have a bad day on Friday and not put myself. I'm probably just gonna eat normal, to be honest with you. What does normal look like for you on Thanksgiving? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if I want to explain because then it might <laughs> then it might be not normal. <laughs> but, um, no, I think I'll just eat normal portion sizes for me. And uh, you know, maybe have a little extra dessert, some pie or something, and then you know, but I can't I can't make myself sick two days before the game. So for sure. Yeah. You you can just tell me offline. Um what what uh what's like the go-to Thanksgiving favorite food for you? I think man, I really like the desserts. Mm. There's there's a couple different pies that my family always makes. Because like I'll be honest, I think turkey's like just okay. You know, like it's not my it's not my favorite meat in the world. It's pretty dry, but um, get some gravy but, on it. Yeah. yeah, you can spice it up, but yeah. um, I would say that the desserts are probably my favorite part. Well, uh, Connor, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming back on the program. I know we yeah, had no to problem. Uh, pull, Thanks pull for having me. to get you, but no, uh, good luck against Oklahoma State, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Connor Pay on BYU Sports Nation. I've always appreciated his sense of humor and yeah, he, that he throws great. it back at us. Not yeah. many of the BYU football players do that, but Connor gives it back, and I like Sometimes that. Sometimes we interview robots, but uh, BYU's pretty good about it, generally speaking, across the board. But uh, I like when there's a human being across that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, now you now, now you No, he talk. has a yeah. fantastic sense of humor. Turkey just, just okay? I, I I kind of agree, like, generally turkey. Yes. I'm, if I have gravy on most things, like, not sweet things, but, like, I'm good. Like, oh, okay, yeah, stuffing, potato, like. I like the deep-fried turkey thing that has become more and more of a trend. As I don't know if I've had deep-fried turkey. The years turkey. have progressed. Um, and I really love our friend Cam True at Bam Bam's Barbecue, his smoked turkey. That's really good. I my, had that one year. Woo. My kids, like, we did it two years ago, and they're like, this is the greatest Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. So maybe we should do that. My kids weren't very good this year, so they don't get anything. But uh, okay. no, I'm just kidding. BYU Football with Kalani Stake airs tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app and ESPN+. Plus. BYU trying to get bowl eligible Saturday. Up next, will BYU men's basketball be ranked at this time next week? Got to take care of business in Vegas. We'll discuss that in the whip. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Tuesday headlines. BYU football looks to get bowl eligible Saturday against Oklahoma State, while the Cowboys look to clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Kalani Sitake says motivations are high. They have a lot to play for because they're trying to go to the conference championship. We have a lot to play for because we're trying to get bowl eligible. Uh, we're at their home. It's going to be their senior uh, their senior uh, game. So uh, we're excited about the matchup. Um, looking forward to seeing our guys uh, play this last game on regular season and, and trying to find a way to extend our season so we can hang out a little bit more and, 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 and you know enjoy what comes with bowl games, which is the extra practices and the extra time together. So. Cowboys are a 16 and a half point favorite, but that didn't cause BYU from not competing well last week. Pre-game coverage is Saturday at 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. New York Jets head coach Robert Sala announcing yesterday that Zach Wilson will be third string quarterback for the Jets against the Miami Dolphins this Friday. Woof, it's quite the change. 
Zach will remain on the active roster for the game, but has clearly been demoted a few levels to quarterback three for at least this week. And I'd be shocked if he oh, doesn't stay there for the remainder of the season. Oh, it's over, yeah. BYU Women's Hoops plays St. Louis tonight in the North Shore Showcase, 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app and BYU Radio. Amari Whiting for the layup. Tonight's game begins uh, at 8 Eastern, as mentioned. Kaylee Wolston, Big 12 Freshman of the Week, 18 and a half points, shot 67% from the field, 62% from three. She's going to join Spencer coming up. Well, following a 4-0 start of their own to the season, BYU men's basketball getting recognition in all types of notable polls and rankings. Cougars two spots out of the AP Top 25 this week and ranked in the top 30 by Jeff Goodman, Andy Katz, and Seth Davis. And me. They're getting a lot of mileage out of that San Diego State win. And then playing great against the bye games. Let's go. BYU women's volleyball falls three spots to number 16 in the latest ABCA poll after a home loss to Kansas Friday. The Cougars are still 22-6 on the season, 11-5 in Big 12 play at West Virginia tomorrow at TCU Saturday, then Selection Sunday. BYU Women's Tennis announcing their spring schedule yesterday. The Cougars opened the season on January 4th at Hawaii and opened Big 12 play on February 29th at UCF. How about that? Hawaii that, and Orlando. That's quite the difference of mileage. For your right first there. two matches. Hi, Avery Pope. Yeah, and the difference of five time zones between those two yeah. venues. Aloha. Michelle Vasconcelos announces on her personal Instagram she is leaving the Portland Thorns of the NWSL. Will we see her with the Utah Royals like Michaela Clough? Yeah, she hinted about where she might be going next and that she's very excited about it. Those are today's headlines. Now we whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's offer some opinions. BYU had 2.17 million viewers on ABC for the Oklahoma game. Should BYU play more 10 a.m. games more often? against top 15 teams. I don't mind the games against top 15 teams. I'm not in favor of 10 a.m. games. It's just a little bit too early for BYU. Although it was unique and, and had BYU won the game, maybe I answer it differently, but uh, it just, it was weird. It was weird to be there in pregame at 8 a.m. I loved it. More 10 a.m. games. I went home and I was like, I can watch other college football games, not 3 a.m. Like, this is awesome. Well, you can do it also, if it's a 1.30 kick too, right? Also, sure, but 10 a.m. was great, even better. Um, also, we had breakfast in the press box instead of dinner, and that was new and fun too. So, yeah, completely unrelatable to everybody else. Yeah, we for 1.30 games, we're there so early for pregame, we have breakfast for 1.30 games too. But that's for our crew only, not in the press box. Yeah. Okay. You still apply to that, though. You find your breakfast wherever you want. I, bro, I go to both. <laughs> exactly. I go to both. BYU men's basketball just two spots out of the latest AP Top 25 poll. They're number 27. This time next week. Thing, yeah. Yeah. This time next week, will BYU be in the Top 25? Yes, duh. You they think they're be. going to beat Arizona State and then beat either Vanderbilt or a pretty good NC State team? Yeah, neither a top 50. NC State's 51, Ken Palm. <laughs> See, neither top 50. <laughs> they're, they're right there. If it's NC State, then it gets a little bit tougher, but BYU should be the favorite in, By the way, in both of those games. You know what leads the country in scoring right now? Jaden Ledee of San Diego State. BYU held him to a mere 21 points, I think. Well, he is Averaging like awesome. 26, 27. He reminds me a little bit of Blake Griffin, the way he plays. So yeah. He's really yeah, good. Yeah, I see that. Minus the jumping over kids. Um, <laughs> do you expect Zach Wilson to be on the Jets next year? No, 
I, I this don't, is a buried trending topic, by the way. I don't know how the Jets and Zach Wilson can continue a relationship no. at this point. It's, it's over. so toxic right now. Yeah. I said yesterday, it's, it would take like the mediator of uh, Aaron Rodgers coming in and being like, I'm going to be your quarterback, New York, but Zach Wilson's staying with me. I'm going to, I'm going to help him get better. Like, this is going to work out. That'd be weird for him to say that, yeah. Because um, he tried to do that this offseason, then he got hurt three plays into the season. I was to a piece like, okay, I'm, we're not just taking this guy to the curb. I've not been in on this, this being Zach and the Jets from the beginning, and I am disappointed that that is how it played out. I would like to see Zach on another team as a backup in a different Where? system. Where? What system do you like? Niners. Give me Shanahan. Zach told us himself that he would fit with the Niners pre-draft. That would be awesome. Would you want him as the third-string quarterback there? No, I'd want him as, as the backup. I don't know if they would make him the backup, though. That's the problem. Well, will a crappy team make him the backup? I don't know. He's, <sighs> he's about to be a lot cheaper. Dude, I would love it if he could go learn behind Patrick Mahomes. They call him the Mormon Mahomes, for crying out loud. He kind of has that element to his game a little bit. Go to Andy Reid, offensive genius, that more free flow you, type of offense. You don't get that kind of liberty unless you actually execute. Yeah, I well, I mean, 49ers and Chiefs are both great growth, both great teams. Like, I, I don't know. That's why I say, yeah, you ain't going to be the starter for sure. Uh, yeah. Up Back next. Up, third strings, whatever. Niners. It's a bowl night. I'm sorry, a what, Jerem? Bowl night. Okay. Not excited about it? I'm a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> BYU women's basketball. We're, ta we're talking about five and six BYU and Zach. Kaylee Woolston, one of the best shooters on campus. She joins me next. The little bump. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Hey, any given Tuesday, I'm with it. I been locked in, no kidding on a new way. Back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. So much for, you know, slowly easing into things with BYU women's basketball for Kaylee Woolston. Now, you're just going to be a starter just from Ryan, day one. Baby. Injuries require you, and you've been awesome. Your skill set's so good, you will start. It's unbelievable. It's, she has been so good. I had an opportunity to speak with her while the Cougars are in Hawaii as they prepare for St. Louis tonight. My one-on-one -on -one with sharpshooter and freshman star Kaylee Woolston. Kaylee, what's the best part about playing in a multi-team event on the North Shore of Hawaii? Oh, man, the weather. It's awesome. Being able to get away from Utah and just enjoy the weather for a little while is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I know it's a business trip of sorts. You're there to win games, and you did beat Wake Forest. So how do you manage that type of schedule when you are there to play and compete and win, but you're in Hawaii, so you got to figure out a time to do something fun? Yeah, just making sure we take time to rest and get recovery and don't get too tired running around the island, but just still seeing the sights and just kind of balancing everything. What's the best thing you've seen thus far? Uh, probably Pearl Harbor. That was really cool. The Pearl Harbor Memorial. Oh, agreed. Super emotional. Very, very cool. Yep. Okay, now we turn our attention to the basketball games, and let's go ahead and look back a little bit at Wake Forest. 
it's a team that's scrappy and they really get into you defensively. They forced 26 turnovers, but didn't seem to slow down the BYU offense. How are you able to overcome 26 turnovers? Um, I think we just got a little sped up, especially at the beginning. So being able to just slow down and play our game, not um, force them to play their game, but just keep things slow, get an inside-out game, things like that. It was Amber Whiting, your head coach's birthday, when you beat Wake Forest. And I need to remind people that last year, her first win ever as the BYU head coach also happened on her birthday. So is winning on Amber's birthday now officially a thing? Yes, it is. We got to keep a game on her birthday every year. (laughs) okay note to note to self schedule the toughest opponent on amber's birthday next season at least in non-conference play uh what's been the best part about the 4-0 start for byu women's basketball um i think just the chemistry that we've been building as a team being able to play together like just seeing all the extra passes everybody's so unselfish it's just so fun playing with this group of girls when did you realize that you were going to have an even more significant role with the injuries to R.A. Mackey-Williams and uh, also, obviously, um, to Nani Falatea? I mean, you're, the two starting guards are out. So when, when did you realize, okay, this is now it's on me? Yeah, um, Coach kind of had a talk with me after those injuries, just saying that I have to step up and play more of a point guard role because I haven't really been doing that. I'm more of a shooting guard, but with just Amari Whiting being our – point guard right now I kind of have to step up and be her backup in a way so just uh learning to fit into that new role while through these injuries and just kind of step up Mm. what's been the most challenging part of that transition for you um probably just stepping up to the speed of the game it's different than high school you have to always be like locked in the whole game and it's just different and I think it's been good just kind of changing and adapting to that well, for what it's worth, it doesn't seem to have affected your confidence and certainly not your shooting ability. Um, but when you talk about the speed of the game, how long did it take you to adjust to that? Have you adjusted at this point? I think uh, like us freshmen and newcomers are pretty well adjusted now. You know, we've had the whole summer being able to go to Italy and play together really helped to have those games before to kind of help us get used to it. So I think we're pretty well into it now. So as you push forward and you look at you know a matchup with St. Louis tomorrow and and you're trying to get ready for a team that is speaking of speed I mean they run up and down mm-hmm. what do you have you what have you noticed most about the Billikens and maybe what's the number one concern with them um they're a really athletic team so being able to stay in front one-on-one and just lock in on defense I think is a going to be a huge thing for us being able to keep people and- in front of for sure. Guard your yard, as Mark Pope would say. And I don't know what Amber's terminology is, but we'll get that from her later. Um, so as while you're, again, on the floor, you're trying to get to 5-0, and the Big 12 is looming. What has what does BYU need to do to get ready for Big 12 conference play? I think just getting more reps together, uh, get more confidence together as a group since we're so young and new together, being able to figure out our roles. I think we're still kind of figuring that out. Um, Just be able to be on the court more. Awesome. Kaylee Wilson is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned Amari Whiting. Both of you are true freshmen on the floor together. How would you explain your relationship with her on and off the floor? It's awesome. I mean, we're, we live in the same apartment together. We spend so much time together. I think that's really important to be able to get that chemistry now because we'll be here together for four years. So being able to be good friends on and off the court is super important. And then how has that relationship off the floor impacted what you're doing on the floor with her? 
it helps a ton being able to have that relationship just kind of helps us mesh better on the floor helps us like we're really good about picking each other up when we make mistakes and not getting down on each other and I think that'll be important because obviously as freshmen we're going to make mistakes and just being able to lift each other up in times like that is important. Kayla, I need to give you props for being a super tough player. Uh, I was calling the UVU game. All of a sudden, you just got this huge bump on your right cheek, and you're just still making threes, and you're getting up and down the floor. It's turned into a little bit of a black eye now, but what is yeah. it like to compete at this level and, and work through, you know, minor injuries, but still, like, it doesn't feel good. How, what's it like to work through that and still be a – try and be an elite shooter from the three-point line? Yeah, it's so much fun. I love uh, the competitive – level at this level of basketball like how competitive it is at all times um I just thrive in this setting and it's amazing I love it a lot of people ask me what's Amber Whiting like off the like out of the limelight because we see her on tv she's very fire what what's coach Whiting like when the lights are not on the tv cameras are not on yeah I love Amber she's awesome she's like super personable like she's not one of those head coaches that's super aloof, like she'll get like t tries to have a relationship with each individual player and we'll spend make sure she spends time with each of us to get to know us. She likes to know what we're struggling with, how she can personally help us. And I love that about her. OK, we'll finish with this. What's the best part about playing basketball with Lauren Gustin? Oh, my gosh. She's awesome. I'll try and go get a rebound. I'm like, nope, she's got it. She's just a monster inside. It's insane. You you always know you can get inside to her. You always know she's going to grab those rebounds. Like I've never played with anybody like her and it's, it's amazing to watch. Awesome. Kaylee, uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes with us from Hawaii. Don't let us distract you any further. Go do your thing. You got to go do some surfing or whatever to relax and get ready. We'll send you yep. some BYU sports station karma uh, to play well against St. Louis. And again, thanks for the time. Yep. Thank you. Women's Hoops tonight taking on St. Louis. Watch Wollston make a bunch of threes. She's made at least three in all four games this year. 8 Eastern on the BYU TV app and BYU Rating. 52% from three. This week's Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five wins on Thanksgiving weekend from BYU football history. How many of those wins are against Utah? This is BYU Sports Nation. More. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Oh, good vibes right there. Welcome to Top 5 Tuesday in front of the big board as we recap the top five wins for BYU football after Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving weekend for that matter. It's Turkey Day celebration. That's what we're going for here. Start us off, Jerem. Number five, 1984 versus Utah State. You're like, well, I don't remember this game. Well, it got uh, BYU. Oh, we're showing uh, 07. Oh, honorable mention. honorable mention. It's an honorable mention. Okay. Yes. Okay, so fourth and 18. This is how good it is, Jerem. Fourth and 18 did not make the top five. But we wanted to show it. Anyway, because <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, number five. 1984 versus Utah State. BYU, 11-0. Ranked number one. They've got to win this game to get to the, obviously, Holiday Bowl and try and win a national championship. Robbie Bosco throws for 338. BYU rushed for 227. Lake Hamuli and Vaisika Hema, two rushing touchdowns. BYU wins 38-13. Go to the Holiday Bowl. Number one still. A lot of people don't remember that they had to beat Utah State before the Holiday Bowl, after they beat weird, Utah. Weird non-conference game that weekend. That is weird. Yeah. A good win nonetheless. 2000, Lavelle's last miracle at number four. 
Well, this one, I, I said a legitimate prayer at the end of this game in, in hopes that, that Lavelle would not go out with a losing record having lost to Utah in his final game. Brandon Doman got his second start ever. Mike Regal, BYU was in control, and then they weren't Jerem down 27-26. It's fourth and 13. Jonathan Pittman, not once but twice, and that set up Doman's keeper for the touchdown and the go-ahead score. Thank heavens instant replay wasn't a thing because BYU would have lost that game. Number three, 1979 in San Diego State. Al Michaels, a young Al Michaels, calls this game. Mark Wilson's first three passes are all touchdowns. <laughs> 642 <laughs> yards of total offense. This was a big whack game, 63-14. BYU won it, won the whack. 11-0, went to the Holiday Bowl, played Lee Corso's Indiana, and BYU missed a field goal. Otherwise, they would have been undefeated. There. This was a top 20 showdown, and then BYU just went absolutely nuts at San Diego State. Game number two, 2009. Oh yeah, the overtime game. Hall to George. BYU, number 19, number 21 Utah. Both teams nine and two. Cougars trying to get back to uh, another 10 or 11 win season and some dramatics in overtime as Hall finds his guy, Andrew George. Utah defenders run into each other and the rest is history. Max was very excited after the game. And number one on Turkey Weekend, 2006 Utah. Yep, BYU lost four in a row walking into this one. BYU scored the first 14. Utah scored 24 and answered. Johnny Harleen, the first of three touchdowns in this game. John Beck, 375 and four touchdowns. Put it in your books, Offensive Player of the Year. And then, of course, Beck to Harleen. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. Now the heat comes. The play took 11 seconds. Yeah, it took forever. Back to Arlene. Prayer still open. Answered prayer. All of the above. Perhaps the greatest play in BYU history. That was a very, very happy Thanksgiving yeah. weekend. You and I stood next to each other during that game. It was awesome. That was an elated Thanksgiving. Yep. All right, our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated Answers. How differently will you feel about the season if BYU makes a bowl game or not? Roger Dean on Facebook says, we all knew it was going to be a huge challenge to get to 500. Last week's game, minus a handful of mistakes, showed that BYU is capable of great things going forward. Make it weird and still watch. I never said it would be easy. Let's but go. I said it would be worth it. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Jonathan Hokinson tweeted earlier this week that his streak of 37 consecutive games home and road was coming to an end. Quick, quack, car wash! Stepped in and offered to pay for his flight to Stillwater. And so Jonathan is going to the game. Amazing. That is that is very cool. Quick, quick, car wash. <laughs> Love it. Let's go, baby. His, his super fan continues. Yeah. No, into, he is super fan. Into Absolutely. 38 straight BYU That's football amazing. Games. Only you and Greg can top that, I think. Right? That is that is quite the financial uh, boon there. Woo. All right, for Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Ben Horton. We'll see you tonight for BYU Women's Basketball on ESPN Plus at 8 Eastern. Go Cougs.